Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode. I've gotten a lot of feedback that you're loving the Q&As, <laughs> and I have another one today. The title is for all the single ladies, but this episode is good for anyone who's wanting to learn more about love and relationships, attachment styles, intimacy blocks, dating, so on and so forth. But before we dive in, I want to wish everyone that celebrates Thanksgiving here in the States a happy belated Thanksgiving. I'm actually recording this the day after Thanksgiving and just feeling incredibly grateful for all the blessings in my life. And you all are definitely one of those blessings. This show has been growing and growing and growing since we started back in 2015, and all of you make this show possible, so thank you. And in honor of this season of gratitude, I have a free gratitude meditation for you. It's a gratitude practice, and you can download it again for free if you go to christinehassler.com slash gratitude. The inspiration for this set of questions came out of the breathwork and meditation free session. Steph and I hosted earlier this week that was especially for women who are looking to call in their conscious man. We are enrolling for a Be the Queen program, which starts in January. So I'm really passionate about connecting with women who want to have an epic conscious relationship. As I've said publicly, this program is close to my heart because it's based on how I called in my partnership. And unlike my other programs, which are appropriate for anyone to join, this one is pretty niche. It's for women calling in a man. And just know that personal master or inner child workshop, that is appropriate for anyone and everyone. And one of the other reasons that I wanted to host a free breathwork and meditation specifically to that group is because I know there were so many times during 2020, especially when we were really in lockdown, that I said to my husband, I'm so glad I'm not single. This is a lot easier to navigate with a partner. I can imagine that many of you who face this year living alone, or even maybe with roommates, but not with your beloved, there were times when you really wished you had that person there. And that's not codependent and that's not unhealthy. We are relational beings. And if having a relationship is something you want, your desire for it was probably heightened during this time when you had so much time on your own and you would have loved to have shared that precious time with someone you love. So I'm such a stand for conscious relationships, for conscious singlehood, for people just having what they want. And for those women who, like me many years ago, are very clear that you have enjoyed your singlehood, you know who you are, and you really, really want a relationship. And I invite you to apply for Be The Queen program. It's christinehassler.com slash be the queen. We start January, like January 20 something, and it's a live program. So it's not watching a bunch of videos. We, we teach it live. Steph and I teach it together. And there are nine group coaching calls that we do. There's lots of content, but it's not overwhelming. And it really, really will help you become a better partner to yourself and call in that partner. Again, it's based on what I did after being really frustrated with so much of the dating and relating advice that I got, which I talk a lot about in the program. This is our third Be the Queen that we've taught. And the second one we did began in May. So still very much in the midst of lockdown and quarantine. Over 50% of the women that participated in that program said that they're already in a relationship or dating someone they like 
and the rest really have a better relationship with themselves. So it is possible to fall in love during this time when the rules of how we can interact are a little murky. Even if you're in lockdown, your love life does not have to be in lockdown. So I have a bunch of questions to you answer. And like I said, these questions came from a specific breathwork and meditation really focused on supporting single people who are calling in a conscious relationship. Some people snuck in some questions about relationships in general. So those questions I'm not going to answer on this specific podcast. I'm really going to focus on those people calling in a relationship. If you have relationship questions, go back and listen to the last two podcasts or head on over to christinehassler.com slash group coaching replays. And that's where you can get the group coaching call that we did on intimacy, love, and sex, where we talk a lot about relationships and relating. So you can pick that up there and that will answer a lot of the questions that many of you ask me about relationships. Okay. So let's dig into these questions. First question from Heather, what advice would you have for reconnecting to your sensuality and sexuality after a hard breakup? Anything related to that area brings up tears and pain. Would love to get that back, but it feels so tender and scary. I hear you, Heather. This is a question that I get quite a bit from women who have endured any kind of abuse or just women who have had a lot of heartache and heartbreak. And many people say that the uterus is the second heart. It's shaped very similar to the heart. So for women, especially, we hold a lot in our reproductive organs, anything that has to do with our sexuality. And we can disconnect from our sensuality and our sexuality when our heart feels broken, because it's like, just like our heart shuts down, our sexual centers can shut down because they got hurt and they're scared to open up. So this is very, very normal. And I hear you. And you said it feels tender and scary. The tenderness, I would say, is actually a good sign. The tenderness means that something is opening and your body's asking you to be gentle. I think the scariness is coming from the fact that it feels tender, not because there's anything really scary to uncover there. So just know when it comes to sensuality and sexuality, you can go super slow. It can be tender. There might be emotion there that you have to release. Like you might have a self-pleasure practice. And when I say self-pleasure, I don't necessarily mean masturbation. It can be that, but self-pleasure is just anything that feels pleasurable to your body. You know, taking a bath and massaging your feet or your neck or breathing in beautiful essential oils can be a self-pleasure practice. I encourage you, Heather, to just do a little bit every day where there's some kind of self-pleasure, again, bringing out your sensual feelings, something that makes you feel good in your body. And if emotion comes up, let it come up and don't analyze it. Don't try to judge it. Don't try to figure out what it is. Just let it move up and out. Let the emotion move through you. Like I talk about an expectation hangover in the emotional section, you just want to be a surfer that's riding the waves of your emotion. And I think that that will help to start to release the emotion that you have paired up with sensuality and sexuality. In addition to that, something like this, you know, I don't have too much information, but this is where a really skilled practitioner can help. I always recommend somatic practitioners when anything is body-based. There's also so many beautiful therapists and coaches that 
work in the world of sex and sexuality, especially a lot of women who help other women with that, because sometimes it feels safer to have a woman coach on sex and sexuality and use your intuition to reach out, start to look around and see if there's any kind of practitioner that feels really aligned for you to work with. My sense is you're just holding a lot of grief and maybe a little shame in your sexual center. And as you release the emotion, that part will open up as well. Next question is from Sarah. I've been on a healing journey for many years and I've healed my abandonment wound with my father. However, I still find I don't trust men fully, which causes me to close when I'm around men. I think this is what's blocking me from a relationship. How can I open my heart and trust? Oh, so Sarah, this is all the stuff that we cover and be the queen. We really, really dive into relationship with dad, even relationship with mom and all that old stuff that's getting in the way. And a lot of people in the beginning of the program say, but I've done this work. And what you realize is that you've done some of it, but there are deeper layers. So I love that you've healed your abandonment wound with your father. And I don't doubt that. My sense is there's more there. So with an abandonment wound, another level that can come up is just deep, deep grief around the father that you didn't have. So there's probably a little more grieving to do around like this not really having a father. So here's my suggestion. A lot of times we really feel like we're done with something because we so want to be done with it and we've done so much work, but we're not yet. There's still a little more work to do. So the grieving of the father and also starting to form a new relationship with the masculine. And often that starts with the divine masculine, really finding that spiritual practice where you're tapping in because the divine, the divine is the divine. It's it's not a human. It's not gender-based, but there's a divine energy that's more masculine and a divine energy that's more feminine. I mean, that's the words we can put on it. The divine masculine energy, when we connect with it spiritually, it feels safe. It feels secure. It feels like it has our back. It really grounds us. Whereas that divine feminine energy feels more flowy. It feels more expansive. It feels more nurturing. It feels more creative. And I invite you to really see if you can tap into that divine masculine practice and really connect to the supportive energy of the masculine and then move that out into people, friends, mentors, find men in your life that you can trust. They are out there. They're absolutely out there. And you may need to collect evidence that men are trustworthy. So instead of taking this straight to how can I find a man to date that I can trust, just look for men that you can be friends with, men that you can be colleagues with, men that you can really just form a non-romantic relationship with and start to build that trust. And then eventually that will open up to a man that you're in a romantic relationship with. Again, this is all stuff we dive into much deeper and Be the Queen. This is from someone who didn't leave her name. I have a physical touch issue due to abuse suffered as a child. Should I bring that up at the start of a relationship or not at all? Well, first, I'm very sorry that you had to go through abuse as a child. It just breaks my heart to hear of any child or animal that's ever abused. It's hard to wrap my head around, even though psychologically I can get that unhealed people hurt people, but my human self and my heart, it just breaks when I hear of any kind of abuse. So 
my suggestion to you is whatever you need to do to feel safe is what you need to do. doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. So many people that suffer from abuse feel voiceless because in so many ways you had your power taken away. So it's important to find out like what makes you feel empowered, what gives you a voice, what's going to make you feel safe in the relationship and not be worried about scaring anyone away or any kind of dating rules or any of those kinds of stuff. That's another thing. And be the queen towards the end when we're back in the dating world of the program, we have you come up with your dating guidelines and we break that down in terms of what it looks like so that you're really clear about how you want to date, how you want to get to know someone. And there's no question in terms of how you want to show up. And it takes out so much of the stress. So I turn this back to you in terms of like, you really need to feel empowered here and whatever feels best to you in terms of how you want to communicate that, listen to that. It's all about taking back your power. Okay. This question is from Lynn, who's in a committed relationship, but I wanted to answer it because I get a question like this from people who aren't in a committed relationship. So the question is, what do you do when you're already committed to someone who's not nearly as conscious as you? And the question I get from single women is, what do you do when you're not finding men who are as conscious as you? Do you give them a chance or not? So to Lynn and for anyone in relationship, you you have to decide if that's a non-negotiable or not. It's another thing we cover in Be the Queen. What's a non-negotiable and what's a compromise? What's something that isn't a non-negotiable that you're willing to work with? So if it's not a non-negotiable, then you can have your, your consciousness and your tribe and the people in your life that really live that way, it's kind of separate from your relationship. You have to be okay with not having that in your relationship. If it is a non-negotiable, non-negotiable, then you kind of can't be in a relationship with someone who's not on the consciousness path. And that was a huge non-negotiable for me is I wanted someone who I didn't have to drag along. I wanted someone who was willingly on the consciousness and personal development path. So you got to be clear about that from the get-go. And if you're already in a relationship, the best thing to do is walk your talk and have your partner see the positive changes that you're making in your life and in the relationship because of consciousness. And then they'll either go, oh, I I want some of that too. And they'll realize, wow, my partner is outgrowing me and they'll want to catch up or they'll be triggered and push you away. And, you know, if I was in that position and my partner or someone I was dating was more triggered by it and wasn't coming along, that would be the end for me. But again, it comes back to, is it a non-negotiable? Next question from Aaron. I feel like I have so much work to do before I'm quote unquote ready to be the person I want to attract for the caliber of partner I want and deserve. I want a relationship and also feel content with where I am. What's the best way to handle trust divine timing and when things happen? Well, I mean, Aaron, I would say to you, do be the queen because what the program does is it gets you really, really, really clear about where you are and what you want. Some women decided that, Hey, I need more time on my own. Some women decided that, wow, I need to date some more. And some women decided, oh my gosh, I'm so clear about this. It looks different than what I thought. And this is what I want. So people were all over the map in terms of where they came to, but they all got clarity. So for you, first of all, there's no perfect. And we're always ready, quote unquote, for a relationship. It's just what kind of relationship we attract. So you may be attracting more issue-based or fantasy-based or journeymate relationship-based or compatibility relationship-based relationships rather than a side-by-side partnership right now. So you can 
use dating and relationships as a learning and growth tool, or you can decide to be consciously single and be the best partner you could be to yourself. I mean, for me personally, I didn't really, really say I was really ready for a relationship. Like I didn't feel it inside until I really felt I was being a good partner to myself. And when I would say my list of things that I wanted and people would say to me, your expectations are too high. I would say, well, I'm not asking for anything I'm not. I'm not asking for anything that I expect this person to bring me that I'm not bringing to the table. So maybe it is a little more personal development. Maybe it is a little more time on your own, but just know that, you know, all relationships are learning and growth and you get to decide what you want to use relationship for. Do you want the kind of relationship right now that is your ride or die, or do you want to learn and grow or is a priority relationship with yourself? But again, be the queen can clarify all that. Next question from anonymous. Do you have any specific tips on how to navigate dating apps during this time? Yes. And since you were on the free call, listen to the recording because I went into a big spiel on dating apps. And again, Sorry to sound like a broken record, but we cover this in Be the Queen a lot because I got so frustrated with dating apps. So I became up with a very, very specific way to use them. So the one thing I'll say, and then go listen to the recording person who asked this question is be super clear on your description of what you're looking for. You know, if you're really looking for a relationship, be clear about that. If you're just looking to have fun and be playful, be clear about that. Be very, very, very clear about why you're on the dating app and have your description match that. Next question from Lisa. I have an anxious attachment style and I was wondering what advice you would give to someone who wants to move towards a secure attachment style. So Lisa, speaking as someone who had more of a anxious attachment style and moved towards a more secure one, it really is about your relationship with yourself and meeting your own needs. So an anxious attachment style comes from inconsistent parenting or a mesh parenting, meaning the parent was sometimes supportive and loving and available, but then other times wasn't. So the child was confused or the parent was very enmeshed with the child and they kind of formed this sort of codependence. So that anxious attachment style has a neediness to it. It's like you're, you don't know how to not be with someone or you're needing someone to be with, or there's like an inconsistency in your relating. So the key is learn how to meet your own needs, be an, an amazing parent to yourself. And this, we touch on this in Be the Queen, and this is something we really dive into in our inner child workshops. And the next one is in March. But that learning how to be your own best parent and meeting your own needs, like whenever you want to reach out to someone or in dating, you know, people with anxious attachment styles and dating hate like waiting for a text or not knowing where they stand or really surrendering because it's like they need to know. And so a good tip is, Anytime you're feeling that desire to reach out, put your hand on your heart and go, what do I need? And really start to learn how to self-soothe, meet your own needs, and not look for that external person to make you feel a certain way. From Angelica, does Be the Queen help you identify what you're looking for? I thought I had it figured out and I realized with Match.com that I really don't know what I want. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely does. Because what happens is, Often what we're looking for is through the lens of unresolved issues 
what we're looking for in a partner is things mom or dad didn't give us, or what we're looking for in a partner, maybe from a 14 year old perspective, when you had a big crush on a guy and he didn't like you back. And now you have kind of a rejection wound around that particular type of personality and you chase that. So, so often what we think we want and what is truly aligned are two different things, because what we think we want is coming from wounding is coming from other ages when we were looking for certain things to meet a need or fill a void. And so what be the queen does is it helps you really clean up your past get really, really super clear about who you are and be able to identify what is the ideal match from you from a healthy, present day, current whole place. From Kim, during the visualization, I guided everyone through visualization in the breathwork and meditation call. When we imagine the green light connecting to our partner, I imagine my ex and I'm still feeling connected to him in my heart. How do you recommend releasing an ex so that we can bring in a new partner? So Kim... Guess what? We teach you how to do this and be the queen. <laughs> There's so much we do with exes, not just your last one, but the one before that and before that and before that. And I guide you through how to create a whole releasing ceremony because it's not that easy. You know, I could say to you right now, well, make a list of all the reasons it didn't work and imagine that whenever you think of them, but there's something that's still connecting you to him. And that's what we'd really help you unpack and be the queen is like what it is about him that you're still really hooked into. For now, I'd say, think about what it is that you really miss most about him and think about how that you can generate that on your own. So you're not hooked into him to get that. Uh, from Carly, how do I let go of the guilt and shame of divorcing my children's father after 12 years? So Here's what I'll say, because I don't know much about your relationship or why you divorced. In my work, and I've worked for 16 years, a little more now, and have processed thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I don't see a drastic difference in people's coping strategies, whether or not they can have a healthy relationship between children who were whose parents stayed married and those who got divorced because a lot of children whose parents stayed married, that wasn't a good marriage. (laughs) So the children saw two people living together that weren't in love, that weren't connected. And that can cause just as many issues as parents that divorce. Now I will say children that grow up in very thriving marriages or in families where their parents' marriage is thriving and healthy and a beautiful model Yes, they have an easier time in relationships. Yes, they're often more, like for lack of a better word, well-adjusted. But if you divorced your children's father, I trust that there was a very good reason why you did that. It wasn't right. And it's more important for your children to see a healthy parent, for them to see a parent who is making empowered choices Howling on to guilt and shame isn't doing your children any good because they're not able to see you thrive. So now they have to deal with the divorce and see their mother riddled in guilt and shame. Is that what you want to teach them? That you make a self-honoring choice and you should feel guilty and shameful about it? So I hope that you can trust your decision, really allow yourself to be happy and get on with your life because that is a much better model for your children than living in guilt and shame. All right, so these next three questions from Ange, from Anonymous, and from Olivia all kind of are the same. 
So Anne is wanting to cultivate more intimacy in her relationships. She's lacking it in friendships and family. No, it's relating to the healing work. Olivia is looking for a relationship but has a fear of intimacy that she believes stems from low self-worth. I feel like it's calling, blocking me from calling in love. And then this anonymous question, I feel a lot of push and pull. I want to be in a conscious relationship, but also fear calling in and being seen. I believe my fear of being seen is stopping it from coming in. So this is a very, very common block, comes up a lot in Be the Queen, is competing intentions. And maybe you listened to the podcast um, a few days ago where I was coaching Michelle on competing intentions. And a competing intention is I have this desire to be in a relationship, but I'm also want to protect myself. I'm also scared. And whichever desire is wired to protection, that's the one that's going to win. So in other words, with, with all three of these questions, you all want a relationship. That's one intention. Like you have that desire, but then there's fear. You don't want to be seen because when you've been seen in the past, you've been teased, you've been ridiculed, you've been shamed, you've been abused, you've been rejected, you've been misunderstood, you've been told you're too much. The list goes on and on and on. So that intention of, whoa, let's hide so we don't get hurt is going to be more powerful because it's tied to protection. So what needs to happen is you need to start to show yourself that you can be seen and you can be intimate and you're not ridiculed, rejected, shame, judge, so on and so forth. And the best way to do that is, you know, one of the best ways I found to do that was I immerse myself in personal growth experiences, like be the queen, like workshops that I did. And I would practice intimacy in those kind of safe settings. So put yourself in as many safe settings as you can to start to be vulnerable, to start to be seen. The fact that you ask the questions is a good start because you're like, okay, I'm raising my hand. I really want to be seen. I really want help with that. And know that that low self-worth that Olivia, that you talked about, usually comes from you showed yourself and it didn't go so well. Criticized, judged, rejected, again, so on and so forth. So give yourself practice in showing yourself with safe people. And after you do really acknowledge yourself, anytime for any three of you asking this question, that there's even a teeny bit of intimacy or vulnerability. You praise yourself and you're like, I'm so proud of you. This feels so good. We're so safe. We're so safe. We're so safe. Because you kind of need to start attaching the feeling of safety with any vulnerable expression, with any intimacy, so that that part of you that's trying to protect you doesn't think it needs to protect you by hiding. It actually is starting to see, oh, wow, we're actually pretty safe and protected when we're intimate. Next question from Jenny. When I'm dating a guy and it gets to the point where I begin to feel seen and we become closer, I find that I'm not open emotionally anymore and I start to pull away. I try to hide it and keep dating the guy, but the guy always notices and tells me I'm so guarded. I catch myself when this happens, but I'm not sure how to fix it. So Jenny, everything I just said a minute ago (laughs) applies to you as well. The other thing I'd add here is it sounds like you have a bit of an avoidant attachment style. An avoiding attachment style comes from when our parents were maybe physically there, but not maybe emotionally there. Usually this, what you described is very common of that avoidant attachment style. It's like we, we lean in, but then when it gets closer, we start to pull away. So I would suggest Jenny, go back and listen to the episode I did on attachment styles, research it, read the book, attach, start to learn about this attachment style and how that you can start to lean in. Because really to heal the avoidant attachment style, it is about leaning in. 
It's about jumping into that pool of cold water, even though it's uncomfortable, but doing it in a way that doesn't totally shock your system. And the last question is from Ashley. I'm someone who's doing a no man diet right now, no romantic or sexual relationships, but I'm allowing conscious relating. I found that this container of conscious relating is inviting me to heal while I practice the no man diet. I'm having a hard time doing this dance and curious if you have any perspective on how to hold this dance. I have a background of sexual trauma and haven't had any romantic relationships ever. At the beginning of 2020, what I thought would become a relationship ended. That relationship was a mirror to how much I was closing my heart off and still rejecting my sexuality. I've explored all that deeply during quarantine. When I set the container for my diet, a man walked into my life who I've been in communication with. He is triggering so much in me and that's where the dance is challenging. So here's the thing, Ashley. When we set these powerful containers for ourselves. Part of how the container gets stronger is we get tested. So if you're really wanting to go in and heal your sexual trauma and connect deeply with yourself, then I'd adhere to the no man diet. Not the no man except for the conscious friendship and relating (laughs) because it's going to be confusing. And sometimes we need to really withdraw ourselves from any kind of stimulus or trigger. Like for example, if someone was getting sober, they wouldn't come off alcohol except for like a glass of wine every week. They'd come completely off alcohol. So it sounds to me like you set this really powerful container and because of wounding or because there's a part of you that's wanting to, for lack of a better word, test (laughs) your conviction here, this man is here. But really, I I invite you and encourage you, if you are setting this no-man diet right now, it's not an anti-man, it's just no-man right now, and really focusing on yourself, then I would hold that container solid. And it it doesn't have to be for a long period of time, but it sounds kind of loosey-goosey with your boundaries. And for anyone with sexual trauma, boundaries are so important. Not barriers, but boundaries. And so Maybe set this boundary in this container with a little more sacredness and a little more solidness so that you don't feel like you're doing this dance. And I bet that will give you a lot more clarity. And P.S. and be the queen in the beginning, we leave it up to you, of course. We don't enforce this rule, but we encourage people for the first quarter, the first third of the program, because the program's taught in three different parts, no dating. And really invite women into this cocoon of feminine energy and this beautiful relationship with themselves so there's not any distraction. They can really focus on themselves. All right, everybody. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions. Again, you can apply for Be The Queen at christinehasser.com slash be the queen. And you can grab the meditation that I made for you on gratitude at christinehasser.com slash gratitude. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, much love and many blessings. <laughs>